Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, Goodyear, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. The workout started as a one-mile run for time, max effort as fast as you could go. And a burly, long-haired guy with a beard took off running. It was early in the morning, 5.30, a little chilly in the air, and he ran it at 6.40, which isn't bad, a one-mile run in 6.40 for a guy in his early 40s and a guy with long hair and a beard, just a lot of hair, so it's pretty good. We had about 10 minutes to recover from this one-mile run. He came in pretty tired because it was quick, and he had about 10 minutes to recover before he moved on to the next phase of the workout. The next phase of the workout was 100 back squats as fast as you can go with 135 pounds on a bar. Now that's a lot. And so the burly, long-haired guy with a beard decides to jump into this workout, but I should mention to you that also not only was it 100 back squats, but for every two minutes that you took, at the end of the two-minute mark, you had to drop down and do what they call burpees. Now if you don't know what a burpee is, I'll just tell you that they suck. You have to fall on the ground, prostrate, and then you jump back up as fast as you can and do a little jump and a little clap. You had to do three of those, and then you had to pick the bar back up again because you couldn't pull it from the little rack. You had to pull it off the ground, put it behind your head, and continue on. And so this long-haired, burly guy with a beard suffers through this excruciatingly hellish workout of 100 back squats with 135 pounds on his back giving it everything he's got. And he has to suffer through these little increments of these three burpees he has to do at the every two-minute mark. But finally, when he gets done, he drops the bar and is completely exhausted, completely out of breath, and about just ready to totally crumple into a little ball into himself when out of the corner of his eye, he sees a skinny guy. And the skinny guy is still going. And the skinny guy is struggling. Oh, he's hurting bad. The skinny guy, I should note, doesn't have 135 pounds on the bar. He only has 115 pounds on the bar, but that's okay because he's a skinny guy. So the skinny guy is suffering through this workout. Bad. And just when the long-haired, burly guy with the beard wants to give up, wants to just crumple into a ball and say, forget it, he sees the skinny guy out of the corner of his eye, and he gets up, and he hobbles over to him, and he says, how many more you got? The skinny guy says, 23. He says, okay, I'm going to help you count. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll get it done. So the skinny guy picks up the bar, goes for another set. Gets to 90, or 80, I should say, then 85, then 90, rep after rep after excruciating rep. But the burly, long-haired guy with the beard is right there helping him count. You can do this. You can do this. Gets to 90, 91, 92. Every rep is just burning. Finally, he gets to 100, and the skinny guy drops the bar falls onto the ground from exhaustion, and the burly, long-haired guy with the beard falls on the ground 
from exhaustion because the burly, long-haired guy with the beard decided that he wasn't going to be done until the skinny guy was done. And you know, it meant the world to the skinny guy to have the burly, long-haired guy with the beard come over and count him through the last rep. It meant the world to him. And I should know because I was the skinny guy. Now, I tell you this story, and if you're not really into working out, you're annoyed a little bit right now, and I understand that, but I tell you this story because you hear a guy, a story like this, and you're impressed with the burly, long-haired guy with the beard because he finished first, but you admire him because he made himself last. There's something about the human quality of saying, I'm going to make myself second in the midst of pain, in the midst of struggle, when I have every reason to collapse into myself, to say, no, I'm going to go over to this other person and I'm going to make myself a servant of them. There's something in that that causes us to say, that's what it's all about. And it captures the essence of what Jesus said in the book of Mark chapter 10 when he said these words to his disciples. He said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you hear that? That right there is greatness defined. It's not about status. It's not about income. It's not about rank. It's not about job title. Greatness was just defined by Jesus. The pinnacle of human achievement, according to Jesus, is wrapped up in the words, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Greatness can be measured by only one thing, and that is this, placing yourself in the service of others. That's what greatness is, according to Jesus. And service defined is action, not just thought. It's the thought that counts. No, I don't need your thought. When I'm struggling, when I'm suffering, I don't need your thought. I need your action. Action that seeks the best in and for others. And so once again, Jesus turns everything upside down. Jesus turns the whole human system upside down. And that's why this series is called Upside Down and Inside Out. Because we have two weeks of lecture and one week of lab. We have Dave Page speaking last week, who did a fantastic job, um, talking about Jesus humbling himself, turning things upside down. God becoming man, and not just man, but man as a servant. Today, we continue with that theme in this passage here, and then next week, we actually do something about it. We had two weeks of upside down, one week of inside out. Next week is inside out. We close the church down. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But next week, when you come here, there will be nothing going on but acts of service here and then mostly all around the community. And so, the question I have for you is this. When you look at greatness, do you believe that? 
I mean, do you really believe that the human aspiration, according to Jesus, should be greatness defined and characterized by service? Because nobody wants to put that on your job application, right? You know, or your, or your resume. You know, I was a servant. No, you want to put leader, catalyst, you know, in charge. You want to say, these are all the things that I accomplished. You don't want to say servant. How does that fly? On a resume? But yet Jesus says that is the number one title that you could have. In fact, let me ask you this. What if your greatest aspiration in life, your greatest aspiration was to be remembered as a servant? Jesus is. Is good enough for him? I mean, let that sink in. Let that sink in. Because let's read 45 again. For even the Son of Man, a.k.a. Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve. God came to serve you. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So if you're interested in being part of this, this, um, this brotherhood, this sisterhood, this group, this well understood to be a small group of people who define themselves as servants. There are certain things that it requires. So I want to talk about two of them today. Two things. Because I think a lot of times, guys, I'm going to talk to men, I'm going to talk to men and women, um, but I'm going to kind of break it up a little bit today. I think a lot, especially a lot for a lot of men, it's like, no one wants to be thought of as a servant. You don't be the guy in charge. You want to be served. But to be thought of as a servant. So I want to change the, the idea, the perception of servant today. And I'm going to tell you it requires two things that a lot of people just don't have. Two things that it takes to be a servant. If you do not have these two things, you cannot be a servant. If you try, you'll be a bad one. You just be, won't be very good at it. So here's two things I want to throw at you today that, that service Requires. What does it take to be a servant? Number one, it takes strength. It takes physical, emotional, and mental strength. So let me talk about this, because I've been, I've been thinking about this um, just in conversations I've had with people and stuff I've been listening to. So um, I told you guys about this, and a lot of you guys in here, and we talk about it on staff, so I listen to this podcast a lot called The Art of Manliness. And it's a good podcast. You should listen to it, guys. And it's called The, the Art of Manliness. You go to artofmanliness.com, and it's kind of cool. And they, they, they bring these guys on, they talk about these different things, and they talk about, like, manhood and stuff like that. And one of the themes that comes up once in a while is they'll have, like, like strength coaches or bodybuilder guys or powerlifter guys come on the, the, the show, and they'll talk about being strong and everything else. And, they, and the guy that hosts it will ask the question, why should a man be strong? Like, is there a reason that a man should be strong? You know, like, the philosophy of it. That's kind of interesting. And so... What they usually answer, and the ones that I've heard, is they say, well, I mean, men should be strong because, because men should be strong. Like, men are supposed to be. Like, there's, a, there's an aspect of physical ability that men are supposed to have. And they, what they do is they equate manliness with strength. So, like, the core of masculinity, the core of being a man is to be strong. So, okay, you kid, that's fine. So what we've done is we've said, okay, men the, the, the core essence of masculinity or manliness is strength. That's a definition, but that doesn't answer the question. Are you with me? 
doesn't answer the question. It says, okay, well, guys are supposed to be strong because they're supposed to be strong. So there's, because in essence, that's our nature. But it doesn't answer the question of why. Why should a man, not just physically strong. Don't, don't get me wrong, because there's some people that, there's some men that aren't capable of being very physically strong because they have a disability or something else. But, but, but that strength that is, that is inside as well, discipline, all that kind of stuff. So physical, mental, emotional strength. Why should a man be strong? And so nobody has the answer to that question. I've never heard someone give the answer to that question. But right here in this passage is the answer to the question, men, of why we should be strong. We should be strong so we can be servants. We get strong so we can give our strength away in the service of other people. That is why God called us to strength. The purpose of strength must then be service. Strong men serve. Weak men get served. Weak men demand service to them. Strong men say, I got this. That doesn't mean that they're never vulnerable. It doesn't ever mean they never ask for help. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying in general in life, strong men serve. Weak men demand to be served. And it, like I said before, it's not merely physical strength, but it's discipline, the ability to put yourself second. And this is so important, guys, because the, this is what makes this teaching of Jesus so important and so amazing. Because at its core, remember, he's, he's speaking to 12 disciples that are all guys, and he brings them all together. We'll talk about that in a moment. But at its core, he's teaching manliness. At the core of what he's teaching is manliness. And it's so lost in our culture today because in order to be a servant you have to have not only enough strength for yourself but you have to have enough strength left over to give to others now understand the environment which he's saying this he's saying this in an environment that is absolutely dominated by abuses of power so what he basically tells these guys because the whole thing started because two disciples wanted to sit at the right hand of jesus and at the left hand of jesus and they kind of did end run around the other disciples going getting jesus by himself saying hey we want to sit with you in your glory, and it was kind of like a power play. Jesus didn't really bite at all. He didn't give into it. The other disciples found out that these guys were trying to set themselves over them. They got mad, so now there's this big fight ensuing. Jesus calls all the disciples together and says, look, you guys know we live in an environment that is characterized by abuses of power. You have Roman soldiers walking around. They throw you on the ground. They take your stuff. They, they un, un, uh, unjustly throw you in prison. It's an oppressive, oppressive system. In fact, even if you study the Roman Empire, people say, oh, the, the Roman Empire, the Golden Age. It was very, very oppressive. And so these people had to deal with this all the time. And you have statues of gods and statues of emperors and, and they're, you know, all these people that were in power over them. And Jesus says, it's not going to be like that with you guys. It's not going to, this is not the way we do it. You guys have missed it. The purpose of strength is to give it away. It's not to keep it for yourself. It's not to be abusive and manipulative and selfish. It's so you can be better at giving away to others. That that is the core of what this is. And the reason why Christians struggle with this sometimes is because they think that servants, to be a servant means I do whatever you want. 
or I always let you lead, or I always let you get, get your way. That's not what being a servant is. Service is seeking the good in other people. And oftentimes, the only way you can do that is by gaining more influence, is by gaining higher recognition, is by being someone in a position of leadership, because then you have the power and authority to be able to do what's good for people. So it has nothing to do with always being low on the totem pole. No, that's a misconception. In fact, you know, one of the wonderful things about our society is even with the problems that we have in our country, we still see those who are in positions of authority of us as what? As servants. You know, a lot of people, have, we, we know right now, politicians are very unpopular, but they're still known as what? Public servants. At least they're supposed to be. Someone needs to remind them. Your job is to be a public servant. We know that the strongest among us in our society the ones who, who can use the, the who can le legally use lethal um, authority or le uh, lethal uh, force are the police. And what are the police known as? Servants of the public. The strongest are still thought of as servants. That's why so many on all the, a lot of the police cars, one of their mottos is about servants. Because that's what it's for. A servant is someone who does what needs to be done. That's what service is about. And I got to tell you, when you look at it that way, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty noble. It's pretty admirable. But that's the kind of people Jesus is trying to build. He's going, these guys, these Romans that you see oppressing us, they don't understand what their strength is to be used for. They don't get it. The problem with manhood, when it goes awry, is when you only... When, when men only get strong and powerful physically or whatever else for themselves, it just becomes an exercise in vanity. So all of a sudden, the guy walks around, look how powerful I am, look how strong I am. And they get strong for themselves. They've missed it. It's all it is is vanity. And you don't have to be, the, uh, this is not talking about saying you have to become the strongest person that you can possibly be, but it's about disciplining yourself so you can give what you have away. In the service of others. That, when you think about it like that, then it has purpose. Then it has a meaning. Then it's there for something. I don't just do this for myself. I don't just live for myself. So obviously, this applies both to men and women, but I'm talking specifically to men because I think men really struggle in this area a lot. Because, they, because I think men more acutely than women feel the need to project strength and to get strength, whether it's in their job or physically or whatever else, but they don't necessarily know the ultimate reason why. They're made with this nature, but they haven't thought about it really through. And so when you really think about it through, what Jesus is calling these guys to is, yes, be strong, be alive, be powerful, but do it in a way that's going to be able to seek the benefit of others. Don't try to merely lord yourself over other people like he says the, um, the leaders of the Gentiles do. So that's the first thing is strength. Physical, mental, emotional. That's what it requires to be a servant. You have to have enough energy for yourself and enough left over to give to other people. And that's a beautiful, noble, and wonderful thing. And not everybody can do it. Secondly is this. Faith. To serve requires faith because it means I'm giving myself to an outcome that I cannot necessarily control. I'm making sacrifices, and I'm pursuing, rather than my own selfish aims, I'm pursuing the good in other people, but I don't know what those other people are going to do with it. 
So for example, let me talk specifically then to women, because I spend a lot of time talking to men. Let me talk to women. Because ladies, um, what happens so often in culture is you guys are taught that, you know, while it's great that you're women and, you know, you, you're, you can get married and have kids, if you really want to be um, somebody in the world, you've got to make it happen out there. You've got to get a bunch of stuff for yourself. You have to have a long resume that includes working in the quote-unquote man's world and making it there, but also, if you can, being able to have a family. I, I don't know how you guys do it, to be honest with you. I, you ladies, I don't know how you do it. I, I couldn't handle the stress of trying to be able to do everything that I feel like I'm called to do and all the responsibilities of my wife at the same time. That's just unbelievably overwhelming to me. I can't even imagine doing that. But the world tells you and pressures you to say, you've got to do these things as well. But the reality is, to bring a child into the world, I can't think of a greater act of service that there possibly could be. You talk about the ultimate life of saying, I cannot live for myself anymore. You guys know how it is. Long nights, staying up, no sleep, constantly worried. Every time the baby cries, you got to go over and figure out what's going on. Your whole life and your whole heart revolves around that child. Or maybe if it's not necessarily children per se, if you have a husband, same thing. You hit your wagon to this guy, who knows what he's going to do. You love him, you support him, you want to be there for him, and you're like, I'm going to help make this home great for you. Who knows what this guy's going to do? And so service is, an, is not only an act of strength, but it's also an act of faith. Because you're like, I'm investing my whole heart in this thing, I don't know how it's going to go. It could totally go bad. You could, you could spend... You know, 18 years of your life, investing your heart and soul into a child, and they just go off the rails because they're their own person. And you did everything right. And they just went off, and they just said, forget it. There could be a long season or many, many years or whatever that they do that. And you don't know. And so service requires a faith that is, like, in incredibly difficult to pull off. So how are you going to do that? Well, I know this. I know that the opposite of faith is what? Is fear. People who are afraid, they don't know how to serve. They can't serve because to them, serving is giving up something I can hold for myself and I can control the outcome where serving is like, you know, I'm just going to give you something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek your good and I don't know what you're going to do with it. And, I'm gonna, and sometimes, a lot of times, seeking your good means I don't seek my own good. And I got to trust that somewhere in there is life. Somewhere in there is the essence of why I'm here. Somewhere in there is the essence of why God created me to be this way in the first place. Why God even put me on the earth. And that doesn't come natural to us. So these are like huge qualities that, that make people totally admirable. Because it's a total gamble. But Jesus says greatness is giving. Greatness is trusting. Greatness is serving. Now, as I said before, this doesn't mean you do whatever someone asks you to do. You know how many times Jesus did what people asked him to do? Hardly ever. It was only when their requests came out of faith. But how many, how many times in Jesus' ministry, hey, Jesus, we should go do this. No. I got other places I got to go, other things I got to do. Sorry. Hey, Jesus, why don't you just do this? No, sorry. But what was he doing? He was still serving. So, so serving isn't necessarily doing what everyone wants me to do. It is what is best for this person right now, ignoring what might be best for me. Service is being directed by God to use your best strength to lift and benefit others. So here's what I want you to know. We are never more like Jesus than when we are serving. Did you know that? 
We are never more like Jesus. Not when we're, not when we're, when we're telling people what's wrong about them. Not when we're like telling them all the things that they got to fix or change. Not when you go up and knock on their door and say, can I tell you about Jesus in the middle of dinner? As some people still do in 2016. I don't know why. It's like the most ineffective thing in the world. You serve, you're never more like Jesus. You never look more like, why is this person doing this? Verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. You know, I love that word even. You know why? Because he says, he's like going, even me. Even me. I'm God. I'm the greatest being to ever live, ever. Even I did not come here so that people would think about me for my own needs, but I came here to serve. So here's my question to you. Because the reality is, if the expectation you have in your life is that other people will serve you, and that other people, that you've been a victim or whatever else, and so other people have to just, you know, give to you all the time, you're demanding more out of life than Jesus did. I mean, you can do that. I just think it's kind of a bad call. <laughs> You're demanding more out of your life than Jesus did. Jesus is like, I don't demand a whole lot. I just came here to serve. I have a goal that ultimately lifts everybody around me. That's what I'm about. I'm not about myself. I'm not about my own needs. In fact, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus say? He asked his father, please take this cup away from me. Father said no. So he did. He went to the cross. So here's my challenge question to you. Are you willing to live your life as a servant of everyone in it? Once again, Jesus did. Jesus did. I got to tell you, man, this, this kind of stuff really hits me because I don't really like being thought of as a servant. I don't. And it scares me to think because I've gone out to God, but if I really give myself to this cause or this thing or this, if I really do that, like what if it doesn't work out? What if I don't get what I want out of it? Okay, Jacob, do you have, do you have enough strength emotionally, mentally, physically, enough energy to give yourself for the good of other people? And do you have enough faith to believe that that's what God wants you to do? We know the best among us are servants. We just know that. And so, what do we do with this? Well, there's something every one of us can do, and so I want to talk about that. Next Sunday, we have an event where we're leaving this church, and we've got projects happening all over the West Valley, I think even a few potentially downtown. And we're going to do everything we can to show people who don't know it's coming, that we want to pursue their good. We're using our energy and our resources to try to show people that somebody cares about them, not just us, but Jesus, because it's Jesus who compels us. So what we're doing is we're meeting here at 8.30, no later than, and we're going to go out for like four hours, and we have all these projects that we have lined up at schools 
painting at schools. And, I, you know, it's funny because you think about kids showing up, and their school's kind of dingy, and then they show up, and their weeds are gone, or there's something that was kind of in disarray that's really painted nicely. Now, I don't know. I, I don't know what ages and stages of these kids will have the capacity to go, who did that? Oh, Compass Church came by. They wanted to show that they care. I don't know what kind of effect that's going to have. But I'd imagine it's pretty cool, especially when there are some schools around here that children go to who are in pretty difficult situations, and their own homes look worse than even the schools they go to. Their family situations are torn apart. And so what we try to do is we try to put things back together a little bit. But it requires strength. It requires energy. Now, I don't know why this is. I'll just be straight up with you guys. Whenever we've done Inside Out, um, we always have, like, a, like, way less people on Inside Out Day than on a normal Sunday. And I don't really understand why that is, to be honest with you. So I'm not here to guilt you. I'm just here to, like, say the facts. It's like, right now, we have 100 spots, at least, to be filled. 100. Like, we need 100 more just baseline, okay? We need more, like, another 200 as of today. So... I guess what I want to do is kind of, first of all, again, just kind of throw it out to the guys. Like, men, we need you. Like, we need your strength. We need your capacity. So if you ever wonder, like, you know, what am I good for? Well, you're good for us next week. We need you. We need you to get. And, you know, it might be hot. Okay. It's April. It might be hot. You think we can handle the heat for four hours in the morning? I think we can. Now, if you can't, then we have projects for you doing here. That's totally legit. But there's a lot of you dudes that aren't signed up for this thing that can handle four hours of heat and get out there and do a little bit of work because we're out there showing people that we care. It is the easiest, most tangible way to make that happen. And so I'm challenging every single one of us when we get done with this service today, when you walk out these back doors, you go straight out to the courtyard and there are t-shirts, and you sign up for, the, for, the, um, for a project, you get a t-shirt. And they're good t-shirts, too. I have one. Um, get, a, get a t-shirt, you sign up for a project, and then you come back next week, and that's how it works. So if you already signed up for a project, you get your t-shirt. If you haven't signed up for a project, you sign up, you get your shirt right now. But every, there's not a single person in this room who should not have their name on that thing. Because every time... Um, th this is the one opportunity that we have to give. You say, well, what can I do for the church? What can I do for the gospel? It's like teed up for you right there. Okay? So I want to I hit you with that and say this is what we're doing. This is how we show people that we care. We have some pretty amazing stories, too. I don't, I just one I want to give away right now, but I'm going to wait. It's really cool. But well, you'll hear about it soon. Now, there's one other group that I want to talk to. Oh, yeah, because we have all kinds of things going on. For example, um... Like I said, we're painting stuff, we're weeding, we're doing all kinds of things. We have, um, we have the donuts, uh, we're giving donuts to the firemen. Unfortunately, that project is already filled. We had to do like a lottery, you know, hunting. You know what I mean? Like you have like a 50% chance of getting drawn if you want to sign up for that project every year because it's like, I don't know, something about firemen and donuts and whatever. So, sorry ladies. But we had a bunch of stuff going on here. But there's one other group I want to talk to, and that is this. Those of you that are here, and you don't know Jesus. 
And you, God's been presented to you as a God who is interested in you. And I can tell you from this story, when Jesus says, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many, he's talking about you. Ransom is a price paid for freedom. What was the price paid for freedom? It was his death on the cross. So you don't have to walk in shame. You don't have to walk in guilt. See, Christians, like, we don't walk around going, oh, we're perfect people. No, we got serious imperfections here. What's happening is we, we bank everything on the fact that we've been forgiven. So we don't walk around feeling guilty. We don't walk around all dark, you know, like, oh, I'm so bad. No, we go, hey, I was bad, but I was washed clean by the blood of Jesus. I screwed everything up. You know, I got, I got a line of people that, that probably love to just see me go down for the things I've done. Thankfully, I've been cleared by the one who stood in my place. And if you haven't yet turned your life over to Jesus, you know, you could keep living on your own, but it's going to be pretty miserable because you're going to keep trying to figure out, how do I live down the things that I've done? And there's no other way to do it. So I want to challenge you today to start with the person who gave to you and serve, let yourself be served by the person who did something for you that you could not have done for yourself. The only way that you could become free was to know Jesus Christ. The only way. And to know his death and resurrection on the cross. So today I'm challenging you. If you haven't yet become a Christian, you need to do that today. You've got to do it. There's no time like now. And it doesn't mean you have to change everything in your life right away. You don't know, how am I going to do this? How am I? Don't worry about that. Just say, you know what, God? I believe that you're not a God of, 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 of distance, that you're not a God of rage, that you're not a God who's, who's impersonal, but you're a God that's so personal that you literally put yourself in a human body to say, I just want to serve. That's it. Come to know him today. Let's pray. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, today, if you want to know that servant named Jesus Christ, if you want to turn your life over to him, just right where you are, say, God, I'm done. I'm done living for myself. I'm done with the vanity. I'm done running away. God, I want to be a follower of yours because if you were that humble servant that took everything upon yourself, including my sin, then I want, to, I want that. I need that, that forgiveness and that hope. So today I give my life to you. Just right where you are, just tell them, today I choose to become a follower of Jesus today. God, I want to know you. For the rest of us, maybe today felt like a little bit of a finger in your chest, and, and it's only because it was like that to me when I studied. Maybe today you need to say, you know, I don't want to demand more out of this life than Jesus himself demanded. If I die a servant and that's it, well, I'm in good company. Father God, there are people in our lives right now who need us, who don't need our complaining, who don't need all of the regrets and anger and frustration and demand, demand, demand. There's people who just need us to be there, to think about them, to seek their good. 
That's what you did for us. And it speaks so much louder than words. God, make us servants who serve in the order of your son. In the order of sacrifice. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.